Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time, it's time for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. What's better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. We're your host, Chris Schubert's here floating around producing this thing. We're from the Draft Network and we're brought to you by Bet Online, which is your number one source for all your sports betting needs. You will always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends over at Bet Online. Of course, they're your continued source for all sports wagering information with live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. You can bet on any sport that you can imagine. Super easy to navigate websites. So head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just be sure to use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. It's Bet Online, and it's where the game starts. So obviously, things are weird in the NFL community in the aftermath of what we saw on Monday Night Football with DeMar Hamlin and... Because of that, we didn't post a podcast yesterday. And so we wanted to acknowledge that that was the reason for not posting a show on Tuesday. Uh, just didn't, this didn't feel right. And um, obviously, all of our thoughts and concerns are with DeMar Hamlin and his health. And football really, really takes a back seat. Um, it's not important at all when it comes to what DeMar and his family are, is going through with this. And I, we just wanted to acknowledge, hey, if you're struggling with this, if you're having a hard time processing this, it's impossible to find the right words. But know that we're with you. We're having a hard time too. Well, and of, of course, anybody who's listened to the show for any period of time, you kind of know the the behind the scenes. We record the day before, right? So the Tuesday show was, was not recorded with the – understanding of the magnitude of what would happen on the field at Paycor. So with that not being a reality when we recorded the show, we wanted to, as Joe said, let, let this situation have the time for everybody to try to process it as best as they possibly could. And uh, we're, we're going to get back on the horse today and talk a little bit of, of football um, while also sending all of our, our best wishes and energy to DeMar Hamlin, his family, and the uh, entire Buffalo Bills community. Christopher, it's uh, it's check the tape with uh, Levy Grail, Raiders, Panthers, up today on the podcast. But first, we got to check the tape. I have I got a college player I want to talk about. Kyle, uh, I don't know what you have up your sleeve, but you always you always keep us on your toes, man. Could be some sensational prospect. Could be some rotational defensive lineman from the Rams. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess first of all, I, I'm I am totally devastated that Riverside is having programmatic issues. So I God don't have, have a soundboard today to folks. come in and go, no, 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 check the tape. Like oh. don't, I could do them manually if you'd like me to, but I feel like <laughs> the people <laughs> whose gears I already grind would just have, have all of, all of it with me if I did Joe, that. So we're not going to do that. Joe, who do you got today? You got uh, Tennessee wide receiver. 
you got today here on the <laughs> boys. I said USC couldn't tackle Ty J Spears, the running back from Tulane. So you know what we're gonna talk about? Ty J Spears, this running back from Tulane, who I feel like there's been a lot of opportunities recently for me to bring this name up. I know I did it in a, a TDN video for YouTube. I, th- I think he was one of my dudes at least once in this podcast, but I kind of want to share a little bit more about my journey with Tajay Spears because he's becoming easier and easier to really fall in love with. And when I first got familiar with him, it was when he was announced for the senior bowl. And so, you know, we're prioritizing getting scouting reports up for the senior bowl prospects. And so I did the film film review Loved what I saw, and I was really excited. And I want to stop right there. I was really excited because I had a conversation this summer with Jim Nagy. And we were talking about a prospect and one that there's a lot of wide-ranging opinions on. And I came in fairly high on the player, and Jim didn't. And so Jim and I had a conversation, and this is what he said to me. This is something that has stuck with me and is impacting the way I'm looking at players right now. Jim said, you know what, Joe? I just didn't get excited about him. And I think that carries some weight, right? Like we we get really engrossed in traits and forecasting, but when you watch that player, how did you feel? And Kyle, I mean, we've watched thousands of football players over thousands and whatever, however many years this is literally thousands and you feel some type of way we do it because we love it we love football we love player evaluation and through that there's just a a response that you have from watching a football player and within the thousands of football players there's a lot that you feel pretty indifferent about but the ones that really excite you I think you really need to cling to those because those are the ones that really move the needle and Tajay Spears I can tell you I just got so excited watching him And then since I wrote the report, Tajay has gone on an absolute tear in four very significant games for the two-lane green wave. So since that report was written, he played SMU, Cincinnati, which were games they had to win to get to the conference championship game against UCF, who they beat. And then they go on to beat USC, who was a candidate for the college football playoffs. And he has just monster games in all of them. So against SMU, 13 carries, 121 yards, two touchdowns. Against Cincinnati, 35 carries, 181 yards, two touchdowns. Against UCF in the conference championships, uh, conference championship, 22 carries, 199 yards and a touchdown. And then against the USC Trojans, 17 for 205 and four tutties. In those four games, this crucial stretch, he forced 33 missed tackles and has averaged 5.6 yards after contact per carry. And this is just kind of tying a ribbon on a monster season for him. Over 1,500 rushing yards, 19 touchdowns, and 4.39 yards after contact per carry. So what if, I mean, obviously the production's outstanding, but the skill set is really appealing. I think the best compliment that you can give a running back is that they're tough to tackle. Tajay Spears is tough to tackle. He's really balanced through his cuts. He can string to bring them together very nicely. And he has good contact balance, which you really don't expect for a guy that's probably around 5'11, 
around 200. I mean, he's listed at 5'11", 195. He's built a lot like James Cook from a physical stature perspective, like just kind of that same build. Excuse me. And so you don't expect him to be so dynamic through contact, but I think the way that he plays with such conviction and his elusiveness to really make it difficult for guys to get square on him allows him to survive and win through a good amount of contact. And obviously he's very good at forcing missed tackles, but I mean, his guy has an explosive skill set. He's balanced. He's tough to tackle. He has vision. There's just a lot to like about this football player. Now, where you get a little bit sobered with the evaluation is passing downs, right? We, we care. You should care a lot about passing downs as it relates to running backs. And I don't know that Tajay Spears is not a good receiving threat. He just hasn't had a lot of opportunity. 22 catches this year, 19 catches last year. And I think 11 of the catches this year came in, in two games, like right back to back. He had six catches in one, five in the other. Everything else was like one catch. And so it, it, you always wonder if it's just not not part of what they want to have him do because they want to keep him fresh to, to pound the rock or if it's something that he's not very polished at. But I think he has a he has something to prove there as a receiving back, which, hey, this type of player, that's really a part of his game that you want to be a strength. And then, of course, not necessarily a, a consistent answer in pass protection. So that's something that definitely you, we want to see evolve with his game. But this guy's a big play threat. He's a grinder. There's just so much to like. He's a fun, fun football player. And I guess some of that yards after contact you worry about with kind of a narrow build uh, and how that translates to the next level. But I think at, at a minimum, you're going to love this guy as your 1B. And um, I'm excited to see him at Senior Bowl. Obviously, the college resume is complete, but I got excited about him, and then I got more excited about him, and I got a feeling I'm going to be even more excited about him when we see him in Mobile. Joseph J. Marino got through an entire presentation on Tajay Spears without calling him Tajay Sharp. Love to see it, ladies. You know, it's <laughs> a hell of a takeaway for our guy Joe Marino. It's been a real struggle. Uh, thank you for the recognition. I mean, every time you bring him up, you were like, "Yeah, Tajay Sharp, really good football player." I'm like, uh, Joe, <laughs> not who you're trying to reference. Uh, Tajay Spears. Well, Tajay you know- Sharp was a good football player too. Just. <laughs> At UMass, right? Like- right, right. Just not for the Tennessee Titans, which is why at the beginning when I said, are we going to talk about a Tennessee wide receiver? That was the joke that I was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now I get came it. on there. Yeah. I don't. Well, I, I was a little crossed up when you said that because I also recently evaluated Jalen Hyatt. So I'm like, okay. I mean, maybe he thinks I'm going to talk about him. Uh, Chris, but- wow. Chris is really up to speed on which players I've done lately. Yeah. It's like, wow, Chris. I mean, <laughs> He's really invested. <laughs> You don't expect it, but yeah, man, Spears, good football player. Valuation is going to be tough, but um, you just want to have him on your team. Good player. Are we Are we ready for mine? Yeah, give me a third-string corner from some like D2 school it's, that you think is going to be some it's, awesome it's not. football player or something. I, I don't know. I have a question for both of you. Have either of you watched any of – uh, the herd with Colin Cowherd this week. Zero. I, I have not. No. Colin Cowherd had a guest on this week, and the guest is going to be one of the hottest names in the NFL coaching search this upcoming hiring cycle. So he had Sean Payton on. 
Sean Payton came on the herd. And naturally, like Colin does, he talks about the same four topics over and over again. And one of the things that he talked about was Tua Tungvaloa. And if the Dolphins are going to be in the market for a quarterback this offseason. And the way the discussion went, this is not a Dolphins segment. This is a draft segment because Sean Payton turned the conversation into a quote that says, let's not draft small players in the first 15 picks in the draft anymore. And he went in on this pretty extensive, I don't want to say rant, but he got up on the soapbox and he talked about the lessons that he learned from Bill Parcells and all the guys about how important prototypes are and if you're going to be drafting a guy in the first 15 picks, your expectations are that that player is going to meet all of the prototypical thresholds for that position as it has been designed to play in the NFL. Very interesting kind of, it was like a two, three minute kind of talking point from Peyton on, on the herd. So then I went over and I looked at the predicted board that we have in the top 15 players. And the question that, Sean Payton said that you would get asked if you were considering a player, say corner and the threshold's 5'11 and he's 5'9 and then you would go to Bill Parcells and you would ask him, hey, we're thinking about drafting this guy. The question that he's that that is then asked is, well, does he walk on water? And if the answer is yes, if the answer is yes, then proceed and consider drafting this player in the top 15. So... I thought this would be really interesting. It was really interesting insight from an NFL head coach who's had personnel control to some degree. And you're expecting wherever he goes this season, regardless of what team that is, he's probably going to have a significant amount of personnel control again. To have a guy who's a Super Bowl winning head coach who took a sabbatical year, who's getting ready to get hired again, to go off on, on this kind of discussion, talking about early draft selections. And I wanted to kind of foil what he said against what the predictive board says for us right now on the mock draft machine, which is getting ready to come back here uh, in the very near future. We're currently doing internal beta testing of it to make sure it runs well. Um, and if we have players that don't, we, we consider not meeting the threshold, asking, do they walk on water or should they not be top 15 selections based on the criteria as defined by Sean Payne? Kyle, you have my head spinning. And, and there's a couple things that I want to I want to bring up here okay. before before we do this thing that you're about to do. Um, first of all, how, were, you, were you hoarding this clip? You didn't you didn't want to share that amongst your friends? I saw it saw it yesterday. I saw okay. it yesterday in the afternoon. Okay, this is absolutely fascinating. Um, secondly, little to, to quote the great Alanis Morissette, isn't it ironic? That Drew Brees was the quarterback <laughs> for, for Sean Payton, well, who is absolutely did he? Did he? By the time he got to, uh, well, here's the thing: he wasn't a top fifteen pick. That was the whole discussion. Okay, Let's not draft I, I small I can, players in the first fifteen picks of the draft anymore. I can respect that. Okay, I can respect that, but like. If Drew Brees was a top 15 pick there, like, and he had the career that he had, it would have been a wonderful selection. And then thirdly, and this is a challenge for you because I know that you can meet this moment. How, how are you? How, because I love the talking point. I want to go on. How are you? How are you making this check the tape? 
because we've seen the tape of the players who okay. are in the top 15. I knew you had something. Just to, and, and that's why it, it had to not just be, hey, do these guys meet prototypical thresholds? It's the do they walk on water? Okay. So don't you think we have to define a little bit here what it means to walk on water as a prospect? Well, I, I think we, we got to identify which of the players. Like, uh, There's probably two, maybe two, out of the top 15 that qualify for not meeting. Man, I feel like I'm going to be really harsh on saying yes to that. Really harsh. That a guy walks on water. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the point. That's why I thought it'd be fun to like, if you're going to, if you're going to view it through this extreme lens, never mind the fact that Parcells coached in a totally different era of football than the era that we're playing in now. Right. This is fascinating. This is this is one of my favorite things you've ever brought to the podcast. Thank you very much. Chris okay. is mortified because we're going to go through 15 names we, here. And he knows we might not get, get we might not get to leave you. <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is this is good. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, I have no idea what our predictive top 15 is off the top. Okay, of my head. so I, I have the predictive top 15. Would you like to start at 15 or would you like to start at one? What? Uh, let's start at one because I think it's going to give us a better better clarity. I'm saying if a guy can walk on water as we get down the list. Okay. So number one on the predictive top 15 is will Anderson pass rusher Alabama. Okay. So the first question is, does he meet the prototypical size thresholds? No. You think he's a little lean. What if he, what if you're grading him as a three, four outside rush linebacker? Yeah, he's fine. I'm willing to give him that and say, okay, he meets prototypes. He's so we could stop there. We don't have to ask the next question. Correct. Good. Correct. Correct. <laughs> Jalen Carter, defensive this is tackle, University of Georgia. A year for us to do at this. It's pace. not. It's not. It's not. There, uh, like we're gonna get Chris. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get to Will Levis, Miles Murphy, and Tyree Wilson three in a row here, and it's gonna be check the box and move on. Like. Very definitively, there's a lot of them that, that are threshold players. And that was what made it really interesting to me that there's only a handful that are not. What, what Chris doesn't know is I actually want to go through every draft class in the history of the NFL and do this retroactively. Right. So. right. Dude, let's summer, do that this summer. Summer, summer content let's series. Do yep. summer. <laughs> the, the Sean Payton top 15 uh, gauntlet. Do, do they walk on water? Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter. Yeah, he's good. Meets the thresholds. Meets them. Pro- prototypical thresholds met. Bryce Young, quarterback, Alabama. He does not meet the throto- prototypical thresholds or come close to it. So let's leave him there, and then we're going to come back. We're going to identify all the players that do not meet the thresholds. Will Levis, quarterback, Kentucky. Yes. Miles Murphy, defensive end, Clemson. Yes. Tyree Wilson, defensive lineman, Texas Tech. Yes. C.J. Stroud, quarterback, Ohio State. Maybe. I mean, I think he's he's fine, fine, right? We're not concerned about his size at all, right? He's six two and a half and like two hundred and twenty pounds. Like he's he's... Christian Gonzalez, cornerback, Oregon. Yup. Quentin Johnston, wide receiver, TCU. Yup. See, Chris, I told you we'd be fine here. Peter Skaronsky, offensive tackle, Northwestern. No. No. Jordan Addison, wide receiver, USC. No, no. I was no. going to say, I can see this one going either way, but. 
what is he like 5'10, 180 pounds? He's listed at he's listed at six foot one seventy-five. Ooh, you think he's uh, you watched him, right? I don't think he's that, do you? I I'd be surprised if he's six foot. So we'll say no for Jordan Addison. Brian Brzee, defensive lineman Clemson. Yeah, he's good, right? Yes. Size wise, yeah. Yeah. Joey Porter, cornerback, Penn State. Yeah. Bijan Robinson, running back, Texas. Oh, yeah. Michael Mayer, tight end, Notre Dame. Yeah. That's the top 15. So 12 of the top 15 definitively meet prototypical size thresholds, which leaves you three names, Bryce Young, Peter Skaronsky, and Jordan Addison, who do not. How would you describe the look on Chris Schubert's face right now? Distressed. (laughs) Distressed. All right. Now the real hard question comes. Correct. Joe, I would like to ask you, does Bryce Young (laughs) walk on water? He does not. He does not walk on water. I'm sorry. He does not. Really good football player. I agree. with He's a really good instinctual player, but he does not walk on water. I think there's some blend of process plus supporting cast versus translatability to the NFL that I think there's going to be a curve there, right? Not saying you can't do it, but it's going to be a curve, especially if he goes to Houston. You can love Bryce Young and simultaneously acknowledge what Kyle just said. You can do it. It's okay. Well, it's, it's a lot of stuff's binary, right? It's either one or zero, yes or no, black or white. And that's the, that's the hard part about the draft in general is there's all these layers that stack in on top of each other. And like, Joe, I think you and I, you and I out of the TDN scouting team are the guys who are probably the most reserved on Bryce, but like, we like Bryce young. He's in the top. The last time he did a TDN 100 ballot, what was he for you? Top what? Top 20? 20. Yeah. Yeah. He's top 20. Yeah. I think he was like 22 for me on the last one. Like definitively a top 32 player. But conditions he goes to will matter. And if you draft him to Houston, it's my biggest concern for Bryce Young. I just did Peter Skaronsky, and I can tell you definitively he doesn't walk on water. So much so, I think his best projections inside at guard. And I don't know if that's because he stacked on extra weight to fill up and, and fill out his frame. Oh, do you know the the comp that I think I actually settled on there that I got really excited about? Well, you mentioned a couple in the staff meeting yesterday, so I don't want to. I don't think it was any of those names. It was like holding him up against like the the Jonah Williamses of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the comp was Justin Pugh. Justin Pugh got drafted 19th overall in 2013, and we we knew he was college left tackle at Cuse, right? Yes. Guard in the NFL. Yes. A good like guard. That, right. Like a quality starter for yeah. an extended period of time. That's that's the kind of the pathway for me. And if you're going to say, okay, well, you're going to draft him to be a guard. And he has some athletic limitations on the edge. And he definitively does not meet your length thresholds. Sean Pate would say, thanks. No, thanks. Yeah. I'm out. Top 50. So how do you, how do you disassociate kind of this – belief that Skaronsky could be, I mean, he's in our predictive top 15 for a reason. How do you disassociate that from 
okay, I think this is his arc, and I'm not sure that's worth the top 15. Well, I think as we get a little deeper in this process, I think that the offensive line class could could evolve. Um, and I would not be surprised to see toolsy and traitsy guys like Paris Johnson Jr., who has all of the definitive traits and explosiveness and twitchiness and length, and Broderick Jones, who has the raw power and the length. I would not be surprised to see those guys push in front of Skaronsky. I think Skaronsky is a more high floor player, and that's kind of what has him in this stratosphere right now because he's very intelligent. He's very fundamentally sound. He's very technically refined with his initial pass sets and his handwork. Like he's a very polished player. Just don't think he has some of the traditional traits for top offensive linemen that you've seen go in this stratosphere of the draft. And then the length. Does Jordan Addison walk on water? This is a, this is you did the write up on him. I I got to put to push that back on you. Jordan Addison is closer to walking on water than Peter Skaronsky is. Is this is this a is this a situation where if you have to think about it, it's no. Probably would you right. would you have said Devontae Smith walks on water? And, and you know what? The entire time we've had this conversation, that's been the name on my head. It'd be hard to like if you if you just. Go off of his tape at Alabama. Yeah, he absolutely walked on water. Okay, so so hear me out. Did, did Jordan Addison, the year he won the Bolitnikoff, walk on water? Sure felt like you had, it. You had Pitt that year. Yeah, sure I, felt I like think there's it. A, I think there's at least some flashes on tape of Jordan Addison showcasing that kind of ability to make it worth the discussion, like it yeah. ultimately was for Devontae Smith, who snuck himself into the back end yeah. of the top 50. I think that's kind of the ceiling for Jordan Addison. And I just did a mock this week, and he, he fell to the 20s. So is our answer I don't maybe? think any of them defi- <laughs> I, I don't think any of them definitively walk on. No, none of them you would qualify as anything close to everybody's favorite phrase, a generational talent. No, right. None of them are that. Right. So what, what, um, what's our big takeaway from this? Sean Payton might be on, well, we got to do the historical look, but Sean Payton right. might be on to something. Yeah, we need can to we, know. Can if we talk about this in the good. staff meeting? Is that okay? Should we or did we? Yeah. Oh, dude, can we? I, this conversation is is going to live rent free in my mind for a long time. Yeah. Good. This is the kind of stuff that gets me gets me like just. We, we got to try to get a hold of Sean before he before he goes back into the coaching. <laughs> before he gets too busy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> see what are the nuggets we can pluck from Man. from the parcels tree of team building you know and he went on that big tangent about caleb williams and just raved about oh, him especially, especially yeah. thought he was yeah like pretty much said he's he feels like the next coming of mahomes so isn't that such a like an interesting thing to go public with knowing that you're going to get back into the league coaching well that's what i thought this was really interesting stuff that he would put back out yeah. into the ethos too but he, sean's always been that guy <laughs> did you not see this what was that situation where he got back and forth with somebody on twitter where somebody he was sharing like a play or something like that and, and some <gasps> i did see this <laughs> somebody's like man you can't be giving him like the the playbook and he's like and he he like diagram the play and respond he's like man we've been running this for 10 years ain't nobody stopped it you know what i right. mean like if you Sean got the right dudes, it, it dumb, it's it's right. jimmy's and joe's not x's and o's right, right like man, you got the guys to do it it's gonna work oh boy 
What do you think, Chris? Can we get this done in 12 minutes? Well, we could get one. Great. Then we have four to do the rest of the week. We, I'm just saying we could definitively do one. No questions asked. Hey, that's, that's good symmetry. Two and two. Again, trying to do two Levy Grail teams on the same day you're doing takes on takes and two tricks oh, on I, line, I for, think is asking for a lot. I keep forgetting about that part of it. So we need to get four Let's in see. one day. We're wasting time yeah. here, gentlemen. Just get wow. a team and get the ball rolling here. There, uh, fight on, my man. <laughs> I am hurt, but I am not slain. Go ahead, Joe. I'll lay me down and bleed a while, and then I'll rise and fight again. Fans of the Las Vegas Raiders, welcome to the Levy Grail. The Raiders. That's going to go on the soundboard, by the way. You got that, and you got sick uniforms so, and a cool stadium. <laughs> uh, and now we can talk about your actual football team. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to talk about what resources you have at your disposal to get better. And I'll tell you what, Raiders, you got a lot of those resources. You have $35 million in cap space right now. That's ninth in the NFL. And I think you have – a lot more coming uh, when you move on from Derek Carr. And if you really need even more, Colt Miller's contract can be restructured to free up $9 million. So you have you have cap space. You know what else? You have draft capital. You have a one, two, two fours, three fives, two sixes, two sevens. Uh, Kyle, you referenced Tankathon and how they use um, like a the trade value chart to – to talk about like the cumulative worth of your draft picks. They're yeah. fifth. They're fifth right now, Kyle. So this team's loaded with draft capital. They're loaded with cap space. And so right then and there, right? Like that's huge. You want optimism. You have a lot at your disposal to become a better football team in the coming months. So I went over to uh, spotrack.com and one of my favorite tools that they have that I think a, a lot of people, Chris, I know, I'm sorry. I know there's a, there's a big roster salary cap turf for, and there's people on both sides of it that I love very dearly. I use them both, I man. I think both, both sites have a lot of redeeming one qualities depending on what you're looking for. Uh, Spot track has the roster manager tool. Joe, have you ever used this? Oh yeah. My guy, I'm, I'm living in that all the time. So I can, I can pull up the Raiders 2023, roster and you said they have how much space 35 million right now what if i told you i could take that to 83 million dollars in cap space with three moves let's hear about the moves you could restructure colt miller as you said and save 8.7 million dollars against the cap that's one of the moves i did yeah Itself worse, Chris. Are you uh, you're trading Derek Carr and saving twenty nine and a quarter million dollars? Yep, that's two of, two of the three. I've got a third move that gets him to eighty five million dollars in cap space. So oh, interesting. I um, are you trading trading Chandler Jones? I am not trading Chandler Jones. I don't think a team would take Chandler Jones. So correct, and that's why I didn't do it. I am trading Darren Waller though. That's what I did. That's my third move. Eighty five million dollars. Wait, wait, wait. Why why are we trading Darren Waller? Why because can't he help? I don't know if you saw. I don't know if you saw that he can help you. But there were three jerseys. That's right. In the Raider off, team baby. store at fifty percent off discounts this past week. Derek Carr, Derek Carr, Josh, Josh Jacobs, Jacobs, and Darren Waller. And Darren baby. Waller. <laughs> Man, that's a hell of a statement. Like I percent off. The they're not trying to move on from Waller guys. jerseys if he's not part of the plan, right? I I can't imagine. And and look, Darren's had a tough year this year versus 
his potential. And here's what I would say. If you keep him, great. He's going to help your team if he's back to 100% because he's an elite physical talent at the position. We've come a long way from David Carr saying that Darren Waller was going to lead the NFL in receiving yards at tight ends and me laughing my rear end off at him four years ago when Darren Waller had caught like four career passes as a member of the Ravens practice squad. He's an excellent player at the position. If you move on, let me ask you this. Who would you get more for? Relatively speaking. Do you think you get a better value for Derek Carr in a trade with his contract situation, or would you get a better value for Darren Waller? You get more picks for Darren Waller, value-wise. Really? In fact, they might get packaged together. Okay, maybe so, but like, Hawkinson just went for, like, what was that deal? They didn't... Uh, It was modest. Right, like, does Waller... Four or something like that? Yeah, I don't remember. It was Chris, like a maybe. two. It was like a two and a four, and they sent a three back. It was really weird. yeah, something really strange. Like, right, right, do right, you right, think right. that Hawkinson has more trade value than Darren Waller? Well, Hawkinson, you were getting this season without the second contract versus Waller's already got the big contract, and Waller's having a down year. It was, a and second I think age is a, th- a bigger factor for Waller as well. It was a second and a third that Minnesota gave up, but they sent back a f- and sent they back, sent a back two fourths. It's really two weird. Fourths. One was a conditional fourth. But... Because think about this. To, to Joe, Joe loves to do this. We trade Derek Carr. We trade Darren Waller. We restructure Colt Miller. We got $85.5 million in cap space. We got all the draft picks that we get from Derek Carr and Darren Waller, plus all the draft picks that we currently have. We can kind of reboot this thing pretty quickly. Yeah, so that's what's exciting about this, but also concerning, and I know that's Levy Grail. We're not allowed to say. Nothing negative, thing. Joseph. Nothing negative. Okay, I will phrase this in a positive way. You are going to have a lot of resources, and clearly uh, Ziegler and, and McDaniels, this is the the tandem of leadership that you've hitched your wagon to. They're like lifelong friends. For For hopefully better, it will be built in their image, right? Because mm-hmm. when you say goodbye, Carr, when you say goodbye, Waller, when you say goodbye, Josh Jacobs, you are saying... We want our guys in here. And so this is the direction you've committed to. And they're going to have the opportunity fully to build this team with their guys. How about some of the young talent that exists on this team still with Dylan Parham, a guy that we like a lot. Uh, How about Trayvon Morig, one of the better safeties in football in general. Very talented high post safety. Uh, Max Crosby, obviously, as a staple player at 26, he's in the God. middle of the prime of his career. Uh, Colt Miller's been good this year. I think there's a number of players that are young, cornerstone type pieces, and we're hoping Parham you know, can get to that consideration here sooner rather than later, but I think there's some some nice talent of, of young players, whether they've received their second contracts or not. And then I understand that like special teams has high variance from year to year, but y'all got Daniel Carlson and AJ Cole Dude. holding down your special teams. Daniel Carlson's one of the best kickers in the game that nobody wants Correct. to talk about. Correct. And oh, by the way, I know I, I know it's kind of he's just kind of mentioned here on the side. Devontae Adams still on your roster, by the way. You still have Devontae Adams to your quarter, whoever your quarterback's going to be next year to throw the ball to. So, 
And we, we know how complex this offensive system is. So a year two of it's very important and a chance to expand on it. Maybe unlock Jimmy Garoppolo, some new levels to it. Jimmy Garoppolo throwing to Devontae Adams. Can't wait. Renfro as well, right, is a nice slot player, which we know is a staple for a McDaniels offense. Yeah. So I think we got some nice. We're more, we we nice are more players. positive there than I thought we were going to be. I don't know why you're surprised, Chris. That's the whole point of the Levy Grail. I'm just saying, yeah. I, I I didn't expect us to get to this very positive place where, like, yeah, they could really make a big splash this offseason. One one thing that in my research of the Raiders today, I was reminded of. Do you remember when Josh Jacobs was getting carries in the first preseason game and everybody the lost their mind? second half of the preseason, uh, the Hall of Fame game? Nobody on the team at running back. So wait, just let me do this. Josh Jacobs has 323 rushes. The next highest is Derek Carr with 24. The next highest after that is Brandon Bolden with 17. Zamir White, 16. It's really fascinating to me that they gave him this type of workload and literally nobody else touched the rock. Literally. What you're telling me next year for when I'm drafting my fantasy team Dun, 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 dun. Nobody cares. Nobody about your fantasy team. Draft running backs in contract years because that team will ride that player into the ground. Yeah. And it, it, it's so uncharacteristic of McDaniels, who's always been a committee guy, right? Ro- rotate the backs like nobody's business. 17 was the highest after Jacobs at 323. <laughs> A cool I just, one carry per game. Man, that's just, that's just <laughs> and nuts, did he missed Didn't Jacobs miss like a portion of a game? And like man. that was probably what it was. Who, who'd you say? It was Brandon Bolden? Brandon Bolden, 17. Zamir White, 16. Josh Jacobs getting carries in the second half of the Hall of Fame game. <laughs> this is unbelievable. <laughs> well, I could. Uh, Brandon Bolden had eight carries Eight of his carries for the season came this past week against San Francisco. So half of his workload came this past <laughs> week against San Francisco. So it's it's such an interesting point because they if they want to bring him back, they could do it. They have the... Uh, it doesn't sound like Josh is too keen on that. Okay. Without like going it. down the, the, the negative... Positive like things only. Yards. Positive things only. 2,000 yards from scrimmage. Okay. All right. Great year for Josh Jacobs. Super good. Yeah. But uh, super good things to to also kind of hit yourselves to if you're a Raiders fan as far as getting this thing turned around. Uh, hopefully in a timely fashion. But we did our best to let you know what, what you should be focused on for that effort to take place. Uh, and we are going to go ahead and wrap up today's show. Kyle Krabs, Jeremy and Chris Schubert. Thanks to everyone who tuned into the show. Thanks to our friends over at Bet Online. We hope you have a great rest of your day, and we will catch up with you all again tomorrow for more teams on the Levy Grail. Thanks for being here for another episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you are at it, help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review. Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. 
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.